Hey, glad you could make it. Welcome to Fantasy Dad Pods, where dad bods are glorified and dad jokes are encouraged. I'm JT, flying solo tonight. So we're going to start off with our dad joke of the week. A buddy of mine got a washing machine and it's Wi-Fi enabled. And I told him not to let it on social media or it'll air out his dirty laundry. That one's for you, Sean. We miss you. I wish you could be here, but he is... Um, doing surgery trauma surgery stuff so um, on call and it's just me so let's get to it we're gonna start off with baseball fantasy baseball recent injury news we got shake it off because pain is temporary um not too many important players injured recently and we're in the dog days we're in the final two weeks of fantasy baseball um Ultimately, in, in redrafts, if they're injured, you can either you find an IL spot or you cut them and you need players to play. Ryu, IL with a neck. Winker, in a, intercoastal, IL. McGee, oblique, IL. Bellinger, rib, IL. Beer, shoulder surgery, IL. And the only one that I saw relevant that would be returning is Pollock so he might be returning he's traveling with the team so keep an eye on that next up we got our monster home runs of the week dad strength dongs gonna start off for longest distance we've got Jake Bowers going 460 into the night followed by Juan Soto 454 and Zimmer 451, Gavin Sheets, 447, and top running out the top five, Brad Miller, 443. Um, so we're going to switch over to Exit Velo home runs, who's shown the dad strength. It was Zimmer's home run, 113.4. Uh, Yandy Diaz had 112.3, as did Vladito, and 112.2 shared by Bowers and Bryce Harper. So nothing jumping off the page there um, in terms of extremes, but players still holding it down, showing off the dad strength. That's what we like around here. We're going to move on to proud moments. Last seven days of baseball, who's really stood out and going to go to hitters first. Uh, last seven days of baseball, Joey Votto. 657 Woba, that'll play. Eddie Rosario had the had the nice game there where he hit for the cycle, whoop-de-doo. Um, but uh, carrying a Woba of 638, those are two big Woba stars over the last seven days. Andrews, I saw him picked up in some 15-team leagues, so he's hitting pretty well. Could tell Marte when healthy is there. Dahlbeck. And then uh, Tyler O'Neill, I think the AL player of the week, was it this last week, I believe? Um, or excuse me, I'm looking at the AL player of the week, Jose Ramirez. Tyler O'Neill was the NL player of the week. They're right next to each other here, um, having some amazing weeks. Both had 10 runs, O'Neill with 10 RBI, Ramirez with nine. Um, well done. Harper, keeping strong, trying to push for that late come from behind win for the NL MVP Jared Kelnick if you still got him on your team it's probably a keeper but he's starting to show life 
Um, and he's playing every day. So there's worse options to be had. Let's just put it that way. So he's starting to see the ball really well. Soto's there, ridiculous, over 500 OBP since the All-Star break. I think I saw uh, Vladita doing his thing, Ty France, Gavin Lux, Revival. Um, he's only playing, uh, let's see, right here it says four out of the last seven games. So, uh, But he's worth, worth rostering in like at least a 15-team league. If you have that middle infield, um, he might have been still on waivers in those redrafts forgotten well not forgotten but left behind um but will smith still holding great value for catcher chris bryant had a solid woba week but not a whole lot of counting stats to show for it so that's fantasy folks um not always tied together so we're gonna switch over to pitchers who's shown off over the last week doing things. Um, ultimately, nothing standing out. I mean, some shaky starts, some interesting outings. Robbie Ramos recently had the kind of a blunder um, of an outing that was unfortunate. But... I know Freddie Peralta had a solid outing recently, and actually he had two starts, uh, 12 innings, 18 strikeouts, only one walk, three earned. So he's doing things. Um, Robert Ray, said, I said the blunder. He had an amazing start prior, but his most recent was a, was a stinker. Um, God, Nestor Cortez, I, okay, maybe it's good that I'm going solo because Sean doesn't have to give me flack about it. I picked up Nestor Cortez on the two-start week this week. That was not a good one. He must have known and just stunk it up for me in my, my final head-to-head matchup. So um, cool beans. Uh, Cole doing work, 10 and two-thirds. Um, in terms of strikeouts doing work, excuse me, but in terms of getting up, giving up runs, he was also doing work there. Um, got pulled early and got the booze from the Yankees fans I saw. Eric Fetty had a solid start. Tyler Anderson has been amazing for the Mariners since he got traded there. Um, Frankie Montas, shout out as well. Burns. I started Tristan McKenzie and... That's also not going well in the semifinal head-to-head. Yeah, I had over a two-whip on three starts coming off of Monday semifinal head-to-head matchups. So I'm just going to pitch all my pitchers. Uh, ratios be darned. I'm getting to get strikeouts. I'm going to try to get quality starts and just hopefully I lock down saves and then just really you know hope hope my hitting does well and try to play the the smart matchups and. I've already punted ratios for pitching. It just, I had to switch gears. Like, okay, there's no finesse in it. Uh, different strategy did not go the way it was planned. Not even each pitcher went like four and a third for me. And um, yeah, I had like almost a nine ERA on the day with just barely over a two point whatever whip. It was horrible. Um, but Gotta just roll with it, make the best of it. That's the tough thing. You can have a great team, or I had an average team on the year. And um, 
I'm getting the the down week when it matters for playoff hopes for fantasy, but that's the way it goes. All right, we're going to move on. Um, We're going to look at players to add because I said so. Uh, Streaming pitchers via the forecaster on ESPN, uh, courtesy of Tristan Cockroft. Check him out on Twitter. But um, we know some of these two starters that have already went. But I was going to try to find some two starters that would have benefited on the week. Um, I thought McKenzie would have been a solid one. Um, Framber Valdez, I think, he just came off the IL, had a two-start week, had a great – I'd say a good start against L.A. Um, let's see, some – some pitchers that aren't owned highly. Uh, Singer had a two-start week and go at Cleveland, at Detroit. That's a nice matchup. Um, we already mentioned Tyler Anderson. He's got the two-start week. Started off strong. Um, Eric Fetty, uh, probably like the 15-team league. But, I mean, like, ultimately, two starts are super valuable. Um, so it really doesn't matter if you think it's going to help. I picked up John Lester in a 15-team league going – uh, Milwaukee and then at Chicago Cubs. So I was hoping he was going to survive in Milwaukee and then dominate the Cubs and come, come out of there, you know, net positive, put it that way. Um, I liked Vladimir Gutierrez going into the week, um, home versus Pitt, home versus Washington. Those are two weak offenses. And that would have been my dark course recommendation to pick up for pitchers, um, but you can check out the forecaster on ESPN switch over to hitters on the week. Um, Arizona, some nice for hitters, nice matchups to gather some steals. Um, Braves had some plus matchups, especially against what is this left-handed for left-handed batters. The Reds had an amazing matchup hitting against Pittsburgh and Washington. Um, Let's see. Uh, the Rockies are at home, but it's against the Dodgers and the Giants. So that's that's a pretty tough go of it. And then also uh, the Royals um, at Cleveland, at Detroit, just solid. Um, Dodgers obviously must start this week in Colorado and then in Arizona. That's pretty tasty. Uh, Mets have a really tough uh, matchups we especially featuring against Milwaukee's pitchers there so tough tough go um, most likely avoid the Mets if you can especially only having five games on the week that's not ideal Phillies have really great matchups against Baltimore and Pittsburgh seven games all at home um, so maybe roll with that extra Philly if you got it runs will be scored otherwise um Blue Jays end the week solid uh, facing Tampa Bay currently, but they end at Minnesota, which will be pretty good, at least for definitely for left-handed batters. Um, that's the kind of forecaster there for hitters. Um, always, you know, avoid the, the Dodgers, Milwaukee, um, White Sox have a great bullpen, um, Houston, San Francisco Giants, and then 
you know, tough matchups all around and just do your homework, play with the players that got you there. Good luck. And um, we're going to transition over to football. But before I do, I've got a bonus dad joke of the week. What's the best way to watch a fishing tournament? Live stream. Of course, right? All right. <laughs> so we got football, fancy football for thought. Um, coming off week two, I'm going to go over some names that we recommended last week. Um, if you were desperate, uh, Bridgewater was a yes. Um, definitely thinking about, um, depending on who your QB1 is, if you roll with a QB2, uh, definitely worth owning as a backup. Um, that offense spreads out the ball, and he's playing very well in it. We also recommended Mac Jones. He had Dud, Jameis. That was a big fat no. Kirk, that was a meh I put down uh, for wide receivers for Kirk in Arizona. Ultimately, it just came down to game script and... Um, I, th I think, was it Rondell Moore had an amazing game, but it was just, it was just his day. I think I would still take Kirk overall season long for the rest of the season. Same kind of goes for Beasley, kind of the game script, the game got out of hand in the blowout win for Cole Beasley. So I put that as a meh. I mean, they just didn't really lean on him. Jones Jr. is a yes. Definitely a wide receiver three in terms of fantasy. And Shepard is an absolute yes. I would spend a waiver picking up Shepard. Tons of targets. I think around 20 targets already on the season. Um, is a go-to for Daniel Jones. Um, I would definitely spend a waiver on him for a wide receiver or for to pick him up as one of your wide receivers. Definitely a WR3. But the way he's getting targeted and playing um definitely at least a flex spot i think you need to start him moving on to running backs we recommended mitchell to use a waiver and that held true he got lots of touches lots of rushing attempts and um, also recommended jamal williams but we all know how the detroit game went um for tight ends o'shaughnessy uh, that was unfortunate. I think his fourth snap, he got injured. So that's just, uh, it is what it is. Also, tried to recommend Cook. I mean, tight ends are so tough. That was a big fat no, but I don't even want to really recommend tight ends at this point. Roll with who you drafted. If they are getting more than four targets a game, I just, you know, it's so touchdown dependent other than your top three tight ends. So good luck with that. Um, Boswell had a meh game, but um, as far as defenses goes, big fat nope for New Orleans and Arizona in terms of fantasy points scored. So moving into week three, pick him up. Um, recommending Carr. He looks in command of that offense. He is questionable technically, I think, at the moment listed, but um, – He's, he's doing some things, so definitely consider Carr as a QB2. Cousins as well. Um, really, you know, has lots, lots of uh, weapons at his disposal. Uh, so definitely recommend there to pick up if 
if you're if you know lots of injuries coming off week two so if you lost Tua, you know i could see you picking up um one of these or also recommended bridgewater for a pickup wide receiver uh, i mentioned shepherd definitely spend a waiver and then consider picking up jones jr rugs a third and maybe osborne uh, he's getting a lot of snaps there and they're going wide, three wide a lot. So that could be something in a deeper league um, for consideration. Uh, let's see, running back. Cordero Patterson, I wouldn't recommend a waiver, but it's really interesting how they used him. Um, you look at his snap usage, it was definitely in favor of Davis, but... As far as Patterson was concerned, he got a lot of red zone snaps, which is interesting. So something to keep in the back of your mind. Um, Pollard had some meaningful work and produced, um, but still the Zeke show, but Pollard is a pest. And so maybe if you own Zeke, maybe you just have Pollard as a, the handcuff. I hate saying handcuffs. I don't really recommend that, but um I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating if you're a Zeke owner, I can see that. McKissick also, uh, definitely even PPR is there. Heineke um, using him, utilizing him. Tight ends, uh, we're going to recommend Max Williams and Doyle also. Um, so good luck with that. Uh, kickers, roll with Carlson. Um, the Raiders are scoring points and Carlson um, has a solid leg and let's go with it. Defense, I'm going to recommend week three Buffalo and Arizona as a consideration. So these are all names that should be on your waivers most likely and that you could consider picking up if you're in a pinch or a tight spot or you definitely have a need, definitely need uh, to spend a waiver on Shepard there in my opinion. All right, we're going to move on to observations regarding snap and target shares. Now, these are situations that are a little bit like you got you want to peek out under the hood more, um, not just take it at face value. So if I'm going to highlight them. That means definitely something to consider, something interesting. Otherwise, status quo, what we expected for the, the ones that we're not going to mention here. So Chase, Higgins, and Boyd there for Cincinnati getting 93, 91, and 87% snaps. So they're going three wide a lot. But Higgins got nine, or excuse me, Higgins got 10 targets, Boyd got nine, and Chase only got the four. And that's out of uh, 30 targets total. So um, also a little bit different than the the first week we saw, so just something to consider. Um, Chicago, Mooney and Robinson got 89 and 80% of the snaps, but the target shares were eight to four out of 20, 24 total targets. So Mooney getting some love there. Uh, Cooks and Conley um, in Houston, 92, 90% of the snaps, but Cooks landslide 14 targets to only two for Conley out of 29 targets total. So Cooks is the man in Houston, and that's about it. People Jones, Higgins, Hooper, and Nujoku for Cleveland, 
75, 70, 69, and 59 percent of the snaps, but only one, two, five, and three for targets out of 21 targets. Um, so not much to look into there. I was kind of interested because the tight ends got so much snaps, but not, not a whole lot of love in the target department. So really tough to, to really see anything of value there, but I thought it was interesting to note. Cup, Higby, Woods, and Jefferson Jr., 100, 100, 98, and 92. So they're definitely going one tight end, three wide, a lot. Um, but with Cup at 11 targets, Woods at nine, Jefferson Jr. got three, Higby only got the one, even though he sat on the field 100% of the time, out of 30 total targets. Um, moving on to Indy, Pascal, Pittman, and Doyle got 90. One ninety, and then 75% of the snaps. Pascal got six targets. Pittman got 12, went off, had an amazing game. I think he's pretty much owned over. If not, I'd definitely consider picking him up. And then Doyle, that's why I'm recommending coming off eight targets. So, And this is all out of 36 targets. So 26 of the 36 went to Pascal, Pittman, and Doyle. In Denver, Sutton, Fant, Pack. Trick and Hamler, 77, 77, 74, and 71. They really intermix all those there. Sutton getting 12 targets, though. Big standout in terms of all even snap count, but Sutton doubling the next uh, target share holder. So Sutton had the 12, Fant had the 6, Patrick 4, Hamler 3 out of 34 total targets. So Sutton is... Definitely had a, had a target share type of game. Keep an eye on that. If that holds true, we'll have a true WR1 in Denver. But like we said earlier, um, consider picking up Bridgewater. That would be kind of like the star of the show because they spread it out so much. Knox, Diggs, Sanders, and Beasley. So this is a really tough game to parse through because the Buffalo had the blowout. But in terms of Knox, Diggs, Sanders, and Beasley, 83, 78, 77, and 60% of the snaps. Knox had three targets. Diggs had eight. Sanders had six. Beasley had four out of 33 targets. Parker, Waddell, and Gusecki. Um, so Tua gets injured super early. So this was interesting to note if he stays injured through week three, what you could probably maybe expect because they did pass 44 times. So Parker had 74% of the snaps. Waddle had 64 as well as Gusecki. And then Parker got nine targets. Waddle got eight and Gusecki got six. So just something keeping track of. Gusecki actually came alive. Um, he actually had a, a really solid game and I know he's probably owned everywhere, but um, worth noting. We also, in, uh, for the Patriots, got Henry and Janu uh, Smith. Um, so 81 to 50% of the snaps, but Henry got four targets. Janu got five. So Janu's on the field. He's, he's definitely having uh, more percent of targets per snap, but only out of the 30 total targets. Just we keep a, we're keeping an eye on the Patriots tight ends. So just worth of note. And finally, here we got Edwards, Drake, and Ruggs the third for the Raiders at 74, 71, and 67% of the snaps. Um, three targets for Edwards. Drake had six, and Ruggs had seven out of 37 targets. So definitely um, 
and Waller, Waller only had, you know, a normal kind of Waller game, not a 19 targets like week one. So they definitely spread it around more, came out with the win, but um, I just thought that with Drake starting at running back, um, getting six targets that bodes well, if you're going to keep rolling with him as long as he's getting the start. So um, another bonus dad joke of the week here. We're just rolling with them. How late do cows get to stay up? Pasture bedtime. (laughs) Oh, I saved the best one for last there. So closing thoughts. We always end it with the dad bod player of the week. It is none other than Mr. Clayton Kershaw, future Hall of Famer. And uh, what sparked this was came back off the IL kind of recently. He's had two starts since then, but just saw the silly stat. Most sliders and curves thrown for swinging strikes since Clayton Kershaw made his MLB debut. Kershaw has 2,972, and the next closest is barely over 2,000, which is Irvin Santana at 2,084. Then goes on to Zach Grenke, Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, and Francisco Liriano. Um, wow. Just a silly, silly stat. Hat tip to Cor- uh, Clayton Kershaw. And um, I was going to pose the question to Sean, so I guess I'll have to think about it myself. But it's like, who's the smoother lefty? Kershaw? We got Mickelson, maybe Griffey Jr., Steve Young. Rafa Nadal, you know, I was going to take out more from, from Sean, but those are the few I came up with. Griffey, it's tough to match that sweet lefty swing. I think quarterbacks that throw left-handed look funky. Um, Nadal, I love tennis, but for me, it's just, it's not as fluid. It's, he's a very, very strong man it it looks a little choppy but um Mickelson has always had a smooth it's the swing that the lefties look smooth so I mean Kershaw has that kind of similar throwing motion to to almost kind of a quarterback pitcher I mean it looks it looks um a little more I don't know, it just looks interesting because it's, it's different but it's not it's flipped but I'd still go with Griffey Jr. I'm a homer I guess sorry but shout out Dad Bob Player of the Week, Clayton Kershaw. And uh, we always thank you for joining us. We appreciate you listening. Dad Wisdom of the Week, as you go, when you're waiting for the waiter, you become the waiter. You're welcome. Take care, be well, and until next time, see ya. Bye.